0: You're listening to another episode of Amy and Sarah's Search for the One.
1: Each week we watch rom-coms and talk about why we love them. this is amy and this is sarah um so (laughs) we are amy and sarah search for the one that's right that's 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 what we're doing here
0: (laughs) we are looking for the one rom-com each week <laughs> we'll find many ones
1: you made that sound so like serious like we are just, like we like we're not enjoying it we're just like we are just watching rom-coms and we hate it <laughs> i also feel like i just had a very beauty in the beast moment because my orchid that i think i'm killing my orchids that we have and um one of the one of the petals, the big petal, just fell off the stem while I was <laughs> sitting here, just like the rose last, lost its last petal in being the beast. So obviously, I, good thing I already found love because I think that's cursed. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't find it anymore
0: because the, the minute you said like beauty <laughs> and the beast, I immediately just pictured you with a single like flower like that was your garden and it has to be like in a little like glass I don't even know what to call that where they kept the rose something yeah like a topper
1: yeah yeah. so the the as my mom always says like when you realize that something isn't as beautiful as you thought it was like for a new relationship or something she'll be like the bloom is off the rose and the bloom is literally off of my flower because it just fell apart.
0: That's a really nice way of saying, like, the honeymoon is over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
1: I use it all the time, actually, to usually describe things that, like, I didn't really care about. Like, if I broke a glass or something, I'm like, the bloom is off the rose. <laughs> like, I'm a glass breaker. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend it incorporating into your phrases if
0: you need one. I will. I feel like before I've always just said like disillusioned or something like that. <laughs> this again is like a much more beautiful way of saying
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> what a change that conversation would be though. Like you're just standing there saying
0: disillusioned. <laughs> and <laughs> now you're like oh. i feel like that word is usually not used for romantic relationships I was thinking more of like workspaces like where you're like you've been in a job for a while and then you're like disillusioned but yeah. I think it would be really funny to go up to like a partner and just say to them like i'm so disillusioned like I see you for what you are <laughs> I'll tr- should I try it on Wesley.
1: <laughs> I'd probably like give him a like, he gets so nervous. Like, what did he do? It would be funny if you did it like in, in like, a, also like in no context. Like, you're just sitting down eating dinner and it's like, I'm disillusioned now. <laughs> um, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll save that in my little bank of like weird stuff to to try out on him, and
0: to I'll, I'll report to back for your fiance. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> everyone needs a little bit of torture in their life, which is actually a great segue for our topic this week, which is revenge, a dish best served cold, which I never quite understood. I mean, I guess I guess the literal translation of that is that it means that like you should give someone revenge when, like, you've cooled down about it? Or does it mean, like, wait till they're unexpecting it and then, like, they're not inspecting it and then, like, hit them with revenge?
0: I think it means revenge is, like, best when you have cooled down so that you, like, you're very practical. You're not, like, in the moment. Because usually revenge is best when it's, like, planned out and really, thought yeah, out. it's not just, like, an immediate response.
1: <laughs> yeah, although I do also think there's something to, like, revenge being super unexpected, like, like, almost, like, a long con, like, if someone hurts you, like, doesn't some, like something to you, and then, like, 10 years later, you get them, it's like, ha, 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 this whole time you've been safe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: thing. Yeah, it's like, you really planned for it, even though it seems unexpected. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, even doing. I love a long con. I also like to joke around about doing a long con when like something happens. I'm like, this is just a long con. <laughs> Sometimes I tell my fiance that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a very thin line between love and hate, and that's, we'll see that in these yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: and yeah, that's there is a fine line between it, and like both can drive you to do impulsive wacky things in pursuit of your heart I guess really that's what that's what these movies are gonna be dealing with some like entanglements of the heart and and also like the idea of winning winning is kind of popular in a revenge because it revenge kind of means like somebody took something from you or like in in a metaphysical or figurative way or literal then revenge is like you taking something back from them. And so there is like a kind of a gaming element to it.
0: Mm -hmm. We were
1: talking about right before we started recording.
0: Yeah, there's a there's like the popular idea that someone wins a breakup because like the relationship both people in a relationship or I guess multiple people, if it's (laughs) <laughs> like polyamory <laughs> people, people lose things when the relationship does like dissolves like yeah. people in the relationship had it and then when it goes away you each like lost so someone has to like gain something else to win yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of love as a game I'll we'll start with um My contender for revenge, um, Sarah and I both picked a contender that we thought would be held up there as like could could win this prize of best revenge. But then we ultimately automatically, even when we thought of the topic, we just knew what the winner would be, which is just like the ultimate classic revenge film ever um if this was like a live game we'd have like call in press one to guess blah 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 but we don't have that <laughs> um, anyway I'll start with my movie I'll take you back to a simpler time 2006 <laughs> which as I was telling Sarah I think I watched every rom-com I don't want to brag but I think I watched every rom-com that was in from 2000 to 2010 I can guarantee I've seen <laughs> um, I can the 90s, I hit up a lot, too, but, like, definitely, there's something about those 2000 movies, like, right in that first decade of the new millennium, <laughs> that, like, really hit a sweet spot for me of being, like, like easy to watch, like, cheesy, like, hijinks, like, full of, like, pratfalls. Like, I just love, like, this This was, like, my jam at this time in my life. And it's, it's still quite good. Um so my my pick was the classic teen movie John Tucker Must Die which is also just like a great title. <laughs> I love it so much like really impactful. Like he must die. <laughs> it's
0: such a good title like it makes you think of a horror film but yeah, it's it's appropriate. Like yeah. everyone has those feelings where you just are so so mad mm-hmm. at I mean, like, this case, it's, like, teenage girls mad at a teenage boy. And I think, like, anyone who has ever been a teenage girl knows that sentiment of you're just, like, I hate him so much. Yeah, (laughs) I love him, but I hate him. Like, they're,
1: like, very, like, you're, I feel like a teenage girl for, like, her big crush is, like, always at a point where she's, like, ready to, like, make out with him or punch him in the face. Like, it could be either one at any
0: time. And this is, like, it's. I feel like we need to point out too cuz I'm just like hearing it this is for like girls that are into guys. I yeah, think like okay. girls that are into girls I don't know how much revenge is there because like men are the worst. I don't know if yeah, like girls will screw each other over as much in like same sex couples but men will definitely they're just they're just awful. Mm-hmm. Just awful.
1: <laughs> They're awful. They're terrible. I want all these movies I watched and was like, I hate men. <laughs> anyway, John Tucker Must Die is a great, like, um, you know, teen rom-com. It stars so many good people. The main character is Brittany Snow, she, who plays Kate. And um, her beloved trister John Tucker, is played by Jesse Metcalf, who was like a definitely a stud of that time period for sure like I do think he like tried to become a huge star and like didn't but like in this time period he was like the next big thing. I mean he didn't end up being a big thing but he was like on the cusp of it because um, he was in like desperate housewives and I think he was in like what, like another like squattery high school movie. it wasn't swim fan, but that was a guy that looked like him. But anyway, he's been in some other stuff. I didn't look it up. <laughs> um,
0: he was, I know he was, he was up there. Like, he was yeah. in, like, Teen People and all those magazines. Yeah. That, like, a hot new thing. And then mm-hmm. kind of fizzled. <laughs>
1: and Kate's mom is played by Jenny McCarthy before she goes crazy and, like, tells people they can get autism by getting vac- vaccines. So, so um, it's a good time for her, too. She's kind of getting more... Into her acting before she goes crazy, mm-hmm. um, and has also has Sophia Bush, who like I would probably watch any, anything that she'd be in because I loved One Tree Hill so much, and she was always one of my favorite characters in, in it. And she also is like super cool on like Instagram and like just a cool cool lady. <laughs> um, she plays Beth, who's like this vegan teen ac- activist that's also very slutty because apparently that goes hand in hand. <laughs> And then Ashanti, who is like, she's a singer, although I haven't heard much from her recently, (laughs) but she plays um, Heather, like an airhead uh, cheerleader. And then I didn't look up the name of the actress who plays Carrie, but she plays like a nerd um, who, you know, is like obsessed with like getting to the best colleges and like her resume and whatever. Um, and all three girls are dating Sophia and Ashanti and the other girl are all dating John Tucker. And like his, he's, he's kind of like this mastermind, which is why he has to go down because he purposely dates all girls from different cliques. So they never find out about each other, which also makes it seem like girls are so like, like your clique is like the only people you talk to in high school. (laughs) Like it never, like it's not a, it's a big school, but it doesn't look like it's a huge school. But basically, like, that he tells all the girls the same lip service, the same MO. He dates you, breaks your heart, and then he tells all the girls that, like, they can't really date because his dad doesn't let him date while he's has basketball season. So he can just date around with all these girls. He, to me, is, like, the ultimate gaslighter. <laughs> like, you just gaslights all these girls constantly
0: his like excuse really doesn't make sense either because it's like okay your dad can't know but like is his dad hanging out with high school girls like how would his dad know like in high school everyone knows who's dating who yeah but maybe they don't go outside on dates, like to other places. Fine if your dad won't let you date, but like, who is his dad talking to? <laughs> that would know.
1: His dad is trolling the high school for like maybe his next wife. So like that's that's obviously how that works into the cycle. But as <laughs> it happens for John Tucker, like they all end up going to the same random like gym class, and they all are randomly put on the same team with Kate, who also is just there. And then, um, they all realize that they all they're all dating John Tucker. Mm-hmm. And the important they,
0: thing to point out is Kate also knows they're all dating before they know yeah. they're all dating him because he takes them all to the same exactly. restaurant. And like he doesn't think at all about like oh I better not go to the same place. He puts no thought in at all. So she sees him take each girl to the same exact restaurant. Yeah, and he, like, changes himself every
1: time he's there. Like, when he's with the vegan, he's like, oh, like, I hope they don't serve any, like, meat here. Like, and then he, like, pretends to get all upset about it. And then when he goes, like, with the another girl, he gets, like, a burger. <laughs> he's, like, completely just, like, giving lip service to get whatever he wants. And Kate, this, the, the problem with the movies of this time period, and you could argue all rom-coms, is that Kate plays a very traditional role where she's, like, absolutely adorable and super good looking and cute has a great body great personality but she's ignored quote unquote because she's not like what there's really no she doesn't even have any glasses to take off to become more popular or like she's blonde hair blue eyes like she's britney sounds really pretty they don't even like try to hide her they just have her she stammers a lot and is like awkward like she bumps into stuff sometimes but she's like the movie opens with her talking about how invisible she is. And I'm like, uh, I really feel like that's all reach for you <laughs> because like you're very beautiful. All on your own. Yeah.
0: She's so pretty. <laughs> if anything, it would just be like, there's the really beautiful quiet girl, but I don't think yeah. she would be invisible.
1: Like I've just never, I don't even see you there. Like everyone's like, who are you? Like, did you, are you new? Like, did you go here? like, They have have no idea who she is because she's apparently too ugly to look at. (laughs) Um, But anyway, the girls kind of form like this group and they um, decide to take John Tucker down. So what Kate has witnessed is her mom, who is, you know, Jenny McCarthy, has been dating losers her whole life. And she just like she says she calls them all skip because they just like skip out of view. Like they get what they want. Like her mom basically is a female John Tucker. Like she gets what she wants from the guys, or maybe they get what they want and they like break it off. And then like she's left alone and they like pack up and move to another place. So she like has seen her mom do this a thousand times and she like knows everything about this type of guy. So she, like the girls, and they like concoct this plan to make him pay. Um, I do love the point where um, Carrie one of the girls who's the nerd she like brings up a basically like, a powerpoint about John Tucker and I was like relatable <laughs> like, I love I love making a random powerpoint <laughs> like, I've, I've done it all the time <laughs> um, I was laughing about that so they decide to try to make him undateable so they're like gonna take away the things that like make him like attractive for people the first thing they do is try to they take like pictures of him and put them in like an ad for a movie theater about like a teen who has like genital herpes and he's like about to go on a date with a girl and like she's like, she's like had shared a drink with him and she was like, ah like, he has genital herpes. But then he ends up when using that opportunity to like win an award for like teen service. He's like, I don't have genital herpes, but like I'm this award is for all the teens that do. <laughs> I'm like so he like basically is Invaluable with all their ploys. Um, they also give him uh, Heather gives him her mom's estrogen pills, and it makes him like very sensitive and like overly weepy. Like very, ugh, it's really gross because it makes him like very stereotypically female. Like he's my feelings are being hurt. Like you're yeah. Why
0: you are you yelling at me? <laughs> it's, it definitely is like a just nonsensical part of the movie that I don't especially like because like it immediately makes him really emotional and like it makes him basically stupid like uh, he doesn't know how to play basketball or how to communicate with anyone (laughs) like it doesn't it doesn't make sense
1: he is like completely like a emo- like he's so, it gets so emotional and like he's so sensitive. And he was like, You're hurting my feelings. Like, why did you do this? Yeah. Like, a very whiny, 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 whiny female character in quotes. And mm-hmm. obviously, I'm like, Also, like, I don't think estrogen would really affect you that well. Like, I think it's more for like women take it when they're like going through the change.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, menopause. Also, I, recently like heard or read you know that kind of like insult of like women being hormonal like Mm -hmm. men are also hormonal they have the same (laughs) hormones as we do at just different levels and like we've seen plenty of men get very heated and nonsensical (laughs) with testosterone it's usually violence though is what they like and it also like, sets up this, like,
1: idea that being emotional is a female thing, which is, like,
0: mm-hmm. men
1: are, men have, like, sadness and, like, anger and loss and, like, disappointment. Like, those like, I mean, everything but anger. Like, men feel, like, sad and upset. Men are can be sensitive and are sensitive. But, like, it makes it seem like all of these, like, weak, quote-unquote weak emotions are, fem- are feminine emotions. And it's, like, that's not what like femininity is and that's not really what masculinity is it's just like the like the stereotypes but again this is a teenage movie so I doubt anyone was really researching any of this or thinking about it <laughs> um
0: yeah, no one was really looking into like feminism and equality between the sexes while they made this movie. No, I can guarantee you
1: that no one was thinking about this movie. Like I can really I can argue that no one is still thinking about this. Um but in any movie. But let's pretend. Um But anyway, then they decide none of this is working. He's able to, like, spin every moment. So, like, they end up deciding that the the way they're going to have to do it is to break his heart. Because he broke all of their hearts. And they need to break his heart by tricking him to falling in love with Kate. Because he doesn't doesn't know her. She's invisible. (laughs) So he's never met. They go to school together. But he has no idea who she is because she's invisible. And so... The girls kind of work together to, like, transform their awkward friend into, like, a heartbreaker. And mostly, like, it's full of ridiculous advice, like, not talking. Because then he's, like, intrigued by a quiet woman. I felt very much like Ursula and the Little Mermaid in this moment. Like, just being, like... Don't talk to him. You have your looks. your pretty face. (laughs) And no one underestimates the importance of body language. I could go on, but I won't. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, don't talk to him. Um, Like, don't give in to him. He sends her, like, millions of flowers to her classes. Like, he basically holds her hostage to go on a date with him because he stops the basketball game and, like, is, is, like, dribbling the ball right in front of her and he like won't make his shot until she agrees to go out with him and the whole room is like waiting for him to make this like winning shot and like save the game so she like has to say yes or like it's her fault the game's over I don't know ridiculousness (laughs) Um, they go on their first date it is the early 2000s so of course there has to be a female and female kiss because like I think at this point like lesbian kissings or like women kissing was like oh my god, like, this is, like, the time period of, like, when Madonna and Britney Spears kissed at the VMAs, and, like, Cruel Intentions had that, like, Selma Blair and um, Sarah Michelle Geller kiss, and, like, I feel like they were always looking for an excuse to do, like, a little, like, lip lock, um, but she teaches her how to kiss, um, There's a moment where they spy on the locker room and like the men are talking about how they like pork it and smorg it or something. Like they are making references to having sex with Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, it's really gross. And just all that locker room talk that we've always heard about from the president. (laughs) Um, And finally, like one of the the biggest moments is they're at an away game and um, there's a very outdated video camera (laughs) on the computer. And Kate calls John and is like, I have a present for you. Like slip on this sexy red thong and like come meet me. And she's like in her lingerie and like she's like, come meet me for a little fun. He puts on the thong and then they like give him the wrong, like the teacher's room to go to. And he gets in big trouble and like everyone sees him in the hallway walking around his thong. But don't worry because he spins that too and says that he wears them for to cup his manhood gently while he's. You know, shooting his three pointers or whatever <laughs> all the guys start wearing thongs. <laughs> um uh, but then he basically says he can't take it anymore like he's he's he announces to everyone that he's whipped by kate like he's trying everything and he, none of his plays work none of his work works like nothing works so he puts his watch on her which I guess is the equivalent of like giving her your ring or your jacket from like the fifties. <laughs> but he puts his wand on her and he says like, this is my girlfriend. Like I, we did it. <laughs> um, so Kate starts to feel guilty because like, you know, this was, what was this all about? Like the girls are still like ramping up for revenge. They want to humiliate him at his birthday party and like kind of show him that this was all a ruse and like, she doesn't really like him. And like, they really, they still want to make him suffer. Like, all the girls have been becoming kind of friends in this time period and, like, building up their friendship, but they really, like, want him to suffer. And she kind of feels bad, so she kind of uh, quits the, you know, the revenge plot. But um, they, just, they play the video anyway at his party, and, like, everyone, like, hates her. No one really cares. Basically, John Tucker is, like, in untouchable. Like no one cares that he's a playboy. No one cares that he's a douche. Like they're just like they want his like money and popularity and his fame and good looks. And they want to just have like the big party. So don't worry about John Tucker. He survives this. <laughs> he doesn't like
0: white men do. <laughs> As, I was like this is like really
1: just like he's fine. Like he he has his like poor white boy moments where he's like struggling but he ultimately succeeds and it's totally like this idea of like no matter what you do like the white guy wins (laughs) and that's forever in the plot as well um and like so he he does decide to change though he's going to tell people that he's like open open dating so like it kind of ends with like him telling one girl like oh you're so pretty like meet my other girlfriend and like walking out with like both of them around his arms like he's living the life I also feel like they painted him as like a high school Hugh Hefner like his birthday party was like girls in bikinis jumping out of a cake and I was like how far-fetched is this from high school like I just feel like this is like I I can't even imagine going like hearing about a party like this I would be
0: like what is happening like is he okay? It definitely, was not like the high school I went to, and like <laughs> I, just, I mean, like the parties, for especially for like popular kids, were usually in like somebody's basement where they like snuck some alcohol, and <laughs> like that's what it was. Um,
1: but um, another side plot in this is that which I didn't mention is that his brother, John Tucker's brother who I don't think i ever done his name, but it's played by Penn ba- Bagley. Badgley? Badgley? Badgley. who is from Gossip Girl. And he plays, like, the artsy big brother. So he's, like, him and Kate, like, keep connecting in their, like, other selves and, like, having some intrigue. But um, he, I guess, I guess he's the character who, quote, unquote, sees her before... Anyone else does, and don't worry, they end up falling for each other. But I'm um, at that point, <laughs> don't worry, the, all the white guys win. <laughs> but it does, I, I do like this movie because it's like the female friendship that's formed, like the kind of like people from, first of all, it's like people from like lots of places in life, like different kinds of like girls becoming friends, which apparently is like noteworthy, <laughs> and also they really. They use their, like, moment of um, their moment of embarrassment and their moment of, you know, shame to transform themselves into, like, this empowered place of revenge. I mean, they do expose him for what he is, but it turns out that no one cares that pretty white boys are tricking us all.
0: <laughs> yeah, as far as revenge goes, it doesn't really work <laughs> because he's untouchable, and so they can't really inflict any harm on John Tucker so John Tucker still I feel like ultimately wins
1: but
0: he's he's a, a rich
1: white boy who's attractive like I think no one really needs to be you know informed that he's gonna survive and flourish you know <laughs> but
0: a, the movie is a good try <laughs> say that. they try their hardest
1: <laughs> yeah it's probably not like it's not super successful Revenge in a way, but it is, like, I think one of the things you get from Revenge is, like, this, like, self-empowerment of it. And, like, there is some of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Sarah, let's hear your contender.
0: <laughs> <I'm> so excited. <laughs> um, so I picked intolerable cruelty which came out in 2003 it's a Cohen brothers movie so as far as romantic comedies go this is highbrow <laughs> romantic comedy um so john Tucker must die was like high school revenge this is looking at more adult revenge um this is in the form of revenge that happens when a marriage breaks up so not a high school relationship but divorces The movie stars George Clooney and then Catherine Zeta-Jones and there's a few other like really famous faces that pop up but those are the two main leads. Uh, I I didn't forget how both
1: gorgeous Catherine Zeta-Jones is and how good of an actress she is like she's I think she's kind of like underrated in a way like I know she got big but then like I think it was more because she was like sexy and hot but she's like an actually good actress.
0: She's great, yeah, I love her. She's great in this movie too. Um, she plays Marilyn, and then George Clooney plays Miles Matthew, who
1: is a lawyer. I think their names were so hard to say together to with because all the M's. I was like, wait, which one is which one? There's a lot.
0: There's a lot of like fun names. There's Rex. Rex first. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> one. Um this is a truly like zany movie which most coen brothers movies are but this is a romantic comedy so there are like the ups and downs of a romantic comedy Mm -hmm. and the way these two kind of end up meeting since there is a meet cute initially there's a couple at the beginning of the movie it's a soap opera or like a daytime producer who finds his wife cheating on him with the pool guy, even though they're, they don't, they don't have a pool. (laughs) Um, And it turns into violence. The wife stabs the producer with his daytime Emmy and he ends up like shooting and firing after her. The wife goes to Miles Massey, George Clooney, to defend her in the divorce to see what she can get out of it because like you gotta win once you divorce there's a winner and there's a loser the wife ends up with like all the money and the producer is left with nothing (laughs) Catherine Zeta-Jones is married to Rex Rex Rexworth uh who cheats on her and a private eye played by Cedric the Entertainer, <laughs> captures so it on weird. camera.
1: <laughs> he, he's the best in the role. Because
0: <laughs> <Like, laughs> so he's not sly about it at all. He like busts into the motel they're in after with a huge camera, and and just like.
1: Well, the husband's not sly either because he's like they're like drunk drunk driving all through the city with like so like like a half naked woman. Screaming outside the convertible. I was like, I wish they got arrested for that. (laughs) That would have been better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But if he had, I don't know if Katherine Zeta Jones would have divorced him right away because she ends up like filing for a divorce under the grounds also that the prenup that she signed with him is now void because he entered like a relationship with someone. Miles Massey does not defend Catherine Zeta-Jones. He defends her soon-to-be ex-husband. And with that, he ends up proving that she entered the marriage with, like, shady intentions. Like, she, she entered the marriage knowing that her husband would cheat on her so she could yeah. steal all his money. <laughs> Such a good
1: moment when, like, his he, like... He breaks into her house and steals her address book, which is, like, the weirdest thing to steal and, like, <laughs> like for, like, in, incriminating evidence. And, like, calls, like, a hotel she went to five years ago to talk to the concierge. And she apparently, told the concierge, she wanted, like, a, a good look, like, an older man with a lot of money who would cheat on her and who would be dumb enough to not understand. she was, like, hoodwinking him. <laughs> oh my god it's a great moment in court when he like very dramatically says all these like he's like a silly silly man who would have no idea and like you see the um her ex-husband who's like um the grandfather in Gilmore Girls Mm -hmm. and you see him be like get so flustered and upset because they're basically like this dumb idiot and he like married this guy
0: (laughs) so funny Uh, Yeah, Michael Massey, George Clooney is like known as being an incredible divorce attorney, which is how he gets all that evidence. Um, He's known among Catherine Zeta-Jones like friends before Catherine Zeta-Jones even like knows who he is, because all her friends are just like her. Mm -hmm. they all like enter and leave marriages just like on a cycle basically to try to get like money or they lose money from divorce Mm -hmm. um and that's just like their way of life is like seeking whatever they can get from their ex-husbands and like entering a marriage to see what they can get when they leave the marriage
1: yeah like and and getting like work done they like get a lot of work done they're very like image focused and they just want to like They're living a good life. Every time they're seen, they're, like, lounging by a pool, drinking cocktails midday, and, like, all in designer outfits. And they, like, have nothing. They're just, like, ladies who lunch.
0: (laughs) But they don't have love. It's the one thing they don't have. (laughs) (laughs) They love themselves, and that's that's about it. Um, They're good friends. (laughs) So, yeah, Catherine Zeta-Jones ends up getting nothing from that divorce because of George Clooney's amazing abilities as a lawyer. She is so upset that she says she will get revenge on George Clooney. That's her next target. She's, she's like, I will make sure he pays. Yeah. (laughs) She goes and she finds the producer who is now penniless and, like, homeless on the streets from the very beginning of the movie. She goes and finds him, and she wants something from him. And nobody, you don't really know what she's getting from him, but she goes and she finds him, and then she turns up again at Miles Massey's law office now because she wants to be a client of his because she's getting married again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to Billy Bob Thorne.
0: <laughs> yes who George Clooney is upset to see because he thought she was showing up because he's interested in her and she's single now. So he's like, Oh, she's here to like ask me out is what he's hoping. Um, No, she's going to get married. This oil tycoon who again, like fits that description of someone who's incredibly wealthy, incredibly stupid stupid, (laughs) and will cheat on her. So it seems like she's just like entering her normal pattern hmm but, but this time he wants to get
1: him to like sign the mazzy prenup that's like you know indestructible like they teach it at harvard law like it's so famously known um and so like he wants her to sign it and like george Clooney tries to like talk her out of it because he's like once you sign this like you're not gonna get anything like think about this
0: mm-hmm. yeah they both the man she's going to marry, the oil tycoon, and George Clooney both tell her, like, don't sign it. Like, it's not It's not going to help you at all. It's only to really protect him. It's not going to help you. And she's like, I don't need it. I love him. I swear I love him. It's only about love. So George Clooney gets the prenup, and they both sign it. And then he goes to their wedding, and he watches Catherine Zeta-Jones and this oil tycoon get married um and then as a wedding gift the oil tycoon rips up the prenup and says like I don't need it I love you and like you love me we never will like get divorced we'll never need this prenup and then they get divorced and Catherine Zeta-Jones takes all his money
1: and George Clooney she like invites him to her wedding George Clooney and his like assistant come to her wedding to like see her get married to this tycoon
0: Mm -hmm. she is now like on the top of her stealing like money basically conning money cycle and she goes to las vegas she shows up when george clooney is there he's supposed to give a lecture in front of all these other it's like a conference with all these other attorneys about his prenup (laughs) success (laughs) as a divorce attorney she shows up and she has, like, a penthouse. Right. Yeah,
1: she looks insane. Like, she's she wearing looks- this red dress. She has a giant white poodle. Like, it's insane.
0: <laughs> she looks <laughs> amazing because she has all this money now. And she's come. And it's, I mean, like, it's pretty obvious she's come to, like, see him.
1: So. Yeah. He doesn't get it, though. He's, like, is he, like, <laughs> never asked, like, what she's doing there? And I'm, like, what, what is she doing there? <laughs> she's at a random divorce she, for
0: the conference. <laughs> um. She like seduces him, which like he I mean like he's all for. He's had a thing for her, like ever since he first met her. He thinks she's beautiful, which she obviously is. Mm -hmm. Um, she succeeds and they end up getting married, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh again, the idea of a prenup comes up when these two have now gotten married. Mm -hmm. And he says I'm gonna sign a prenup so I can't take any of your money. <laughs> this is to protect you, since you have all this money now. I will sign a prenup, and then that way, if we get divorced, whatever we like come into the wedding, um, each of us will walk out with what we entered with. Yeah. But she says, you know what? I trust you, and she tears up the prenup.
1: Mm-hmm. To make
0: him think that it is all about just, like, their love for each other and that they would never hurt each other.
1: This is a farce.
0: This is a major <laughs> farce because George Clooney finds out she actually doesn't have any money at all. The man that she married, who is supposedly an oil ty- tycoon, is a daytime soap opera actor. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love the Very twist. Fun. I remember like when I first watched this that twist was amazing. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was really, she really got him. And he like runs back up to their room and she's like packing up her whole life. She's like, I'll see you at our lawyer's office.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, I'm going to divorce you now. <laughs> like, she's she's going to steal all his money because obviously he's a very successful di- like divorce attorney. He's got tons of money and notoriety also. Yeah. So it's going to ruin if he... Because he never had a prenup with her, it's going to ruin his career as a, he'll never be able to, like, work again as a, as a divorce attorney. Um, so he's basically he knows his career is going to be ruined. It's not even just the money. Like, he'll never be able to recover if she takes all his money. Um, so he, with the help of his boss, hires a hitman. <laughs> to go, it escalates real quickly, but,
1: yeah. That, to me, they skip a couple steps, like, <laughs> but like, always, I mean, I find like incriminating evidence on it, they go right to murder, and it's like, oh, okay, like, cool.
0: <laughs> I mean, the movie's gotta like wrap up, and that's what the <laughs> I mean, the Cone brothers are awesome at that of just like suddenly going somewhere, and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> um, they hire a hitman who I think his name was Wheezy Joe, and he's. Um, <laughs> He's real wheezy. He he needs like an asthma inhaler. Um, they go to Catherine Zeta-Jones's house, which is technically George Clooney's house, but she's like assumed for residency there. She's basically taking his home. Um, Wheezy Joe goes there to kill her so that they can't get divorced. When as Wheezy Joe is on the way to kill Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones' ex-husband, Rex Rexworth, the idiot, who she, like, married at the very beginning of the movie, he dies suddenly of a heart attack.
1: You have to say how he dies, though. He dies jumping on, like, a million beds with, like, scantily clad blonde women. Like, he has, like, a dozen blonde women who are (laughs) in their lingerie jumping on a bed with him. And I'm like, is this what men really want? Like, this is, like... The happiest day of this guy's life, unfortunately, is also his death, but like Uh, that's it's just a weird uh,
0: like look, but whatever. (laughs) He he dies of a sudden heart attack from his stupidity, (laughs) and he um he didn't he never changed his will, so all of his money and all of his fortune is still gonna go to Catherine Zeta Jones because he never changed his will, so technically. That means now she has more money than George Clooney. So if Catherine Zeta-Jones and George Clooney get divorced without a prenup, she ends up losing way more than George Clooney will lose. So they have to stop the hitman. (laughs) But he's already there. And he's talking to Catherine Zeta-Jones. She tells him that she will pay him double to kill George Clooney. (laughs) So when George Clooney goes to stop Wheezy Joe, it's now Wheezy Joe trying to kill George Clooney. Yes. In all this craziness and chaos and the lights are like off and everything, it's in the dark, Wheezy Joe ends up shooting himself.
1: yeah it's something to see
0: (laughs) he thinks his inhaler is his is is the gun or that he thinks the gun is the inhaler and he ends up shooting himself
1: i had to close my eyes i was like ah (laughs)
0: um that means there's no (laughs) hitman to, to kill either of them the two of them are gonna get divorced and if they do get divorced, that means George Clooney will take Catherine zeta joness money. So, George Clooney, who has been in love with Catherine Zeta-Jones this whole time, signs a prenup telling her, I'm not going to take any of your money. It's, like, the biggest, <laughs> the biggest act of love he can think of. He's mm-hmm. like, I will not take any of your money. Yeah, because she's
1: like, how am I going to trust you? Like, I really can't trust you because... Mm-hmm. We've been screwing each other over this whole movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he signs it, and she tears it up. And this is the only time they've, like, ever really been honest. She's like, okay. um, Yeah, and they live happily ever after <laughs> in a very perverse way. They're,
1: they're very rich and very in love.
0: <laughs> and very attractive.
1: They're very attractive. That that doesn't help. Like, doesn't hurt. <laughs> they're really... Yeah, like that's this is a good one because of all there's a lot of twists. I mean, we did spoil them for you if you didn't see it, but it's still enjoyable to watch. Um, And it's it was kind of like a sleeper film. I feel like a lot of people hadn't seen this movie, Mm -hmm. so like I would check it out. It's a good revenge film because you know who does get the last laugh? That's true,
0: it's very
1: hijinksy. Yeah, which then brings us to our winner. Winner, winner, <laughs> t- t- winner. <laughs> um, so, hopefully, if you think of revenge in a rom com, there's probably one iconic moment, mo- mo- movie or moment, move, both, that will spring to mind. And that would be. Duh-dub-uh-z. Oh, wait, I'm at a table right now, so it's easier.
0: First Wives Club. Woo Woo oh, no! Yeah, Amy, Amy and I both immediately agreed upon this movie, and we both, like, fell in love with it, even <laughs> though, you know, it's, you, neither of us are in the First Wives Club, but well, you, we're, like, <laughs> we're, we're honor, like, honorary members Yeah, of the First Wives Club. Yeah. I think anyone can be an honorary first wife
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and sometimes you won't even know your first wife and for years <laughs> You've been your first wife for like 30 years and not know it <laughs> this is like an iconic film like this is I mean I think of this movie like watching it with my like friends and my cousins like over and over again and this movie came out in 1996 Mm-hmm. So, like, a decade before John White, John Tucker must die. <laughs> but um, it's, like, it's the 90s, like, galore. It's an all-star cast. Like, Goldie Hawn is in it, Bette Midler, Diane Keaton, which we've talked about before. Like, they're the three main characters. And then, like, there's so many people, like, on the sides, like... Um, Heather Locklear is in it. She has, like, a non-speaking role, which is crazy to think about because she's such a star. (laughs) Um, Sarah Jessica Parker is in it. Um, Maggie Smith is in it. Smith is in it. Yeah, it's, like, there is, like, characters. Victor Garber. I love Victor Garber. Yes. And (laughs) as I always think of her as um, Rizzo (laughs) from The is it (laughs) it Dr. Channing I was like I know it's not Channing Tating but that's (laughs) what I want to say (laughs) Um, and it's just like a great like just a great cast so basically it's about um, all these this group of friends there are four friends um, Annie who is saying Keaton and Elise who's Goldie Hawn Brenda is Bette Midler and Cynthia who is Stockard. Stock, you don't have to tell me what her name. Socker? Sockered. Yeah, Sockered? Sockered. Yeah, Soccer. <laughs> um, so the four of them were, like, all best friends in college and whatever. When they graduated, they each got, like, a pearl necklace. And they were, like, we're going to take over the world. Blah, blah, blah. Like it's It was like, all
0: very, like, girl power. We're all yeah. amazing. And we're going to all lift each other up. And, like, we're yes. going to soar. <laughs> yeah, it was
1: really beautiful. But now it's been, like, 25 years or so and um they're all like in terrible t- t- times really like and Cynthia the the old friend like ends up her, she, her husband divorces her for Heather Locklear and it's like a big society like society is very big in this movie and like it's a huge societally societal like shun so she ends up killing herself and it kind of reunites all these friends that have lost touch with each other. And they, they start just like an earnest, like vow of like trying to be there for each other, which is amplified by getting a note in the mail from her, like weeks later about like, kind of like why she did it. Like she was so lonely and like they had all drifted apart and she was so like shamed from her husband leaving her for this younger, prettier woman. And, they vow to like get together and like help each other screw over their exes because they're all in like the, like marriages that are over. Um. I
0: yeah, they like bond again over the fact that all their husbands are awful. Just like. <laughs> Cynthia's husband was awful, too. And yeah. they remember the potential they all had. And they all pin it on their husbands for, like, losing that potential. Like, they could have... They, all of them could have been at amazing, like, points in their lives. And they gave yeah. all their potential to their husbands, who then yeah. screwed them over.
1: <laughs> yeah, who, like, used their potential and, like, got ahead themselves and then, like, literally screwed them over. Like, Annie's husband is the father from 7th Heaven, I never remember his name, (laughs) who, by the way, has, like, now been, like, shamed in the media for being a skiddy. And, um, but he's, like, a big advertising whiz, and she had, like, helped him, like, build their advertising agency, but he always, like, took all the credit and, like, all the work, and it's, like, his, or it's his company, and he, like, but he still, even though they're divorced, like, he still, he uses her all the time to, like, call her in and do this unpaid labor and all this work and like support him like he just wants like someone to like push him up a little bit and she's like has so much low self esteem and she doesn't like believe in herself she doesn't see her potential and like he is end up he's having a an affair with her marriage counselor which like when I watch this, my fiance he was like what the marriage counselor and I was like yeah it's always the marriage counselor I was like i just Our marriage counselor
0: will be a male. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most like unethical thing you can do,
1: basically. It's a violation of trust, but it's like it is like a thing that happens. Like always, if you're a lady with a man, go to a male marriage therapist. (laughs) Like if it's a female, is she helping you or hurting you? You got to think about it. Um, But basically, and basically, he like overall just gaslights her all the time. He's like. You know, you can't. He like he like tells her like you can't do anything. Like you're not gonna succeed without me. Like he really takes her power. And then they also have a daughter who is her name's Chris and she's a lesbian. But don't worry, it's cool to be a lesbian. Everyone treats it really cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Although they do like to just like point it out over and over again. Like that's her (laughs) only characteristic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's all you know about her is that she's a lesbian. Like that's that's it. Like they're always like. There's my daughter, the lesbian. Like, like, but that's cool. Lesbians are cool, and like they they have like a moment where they go into a gay club and like
0: it's, like
1: Annie sees like a random lesbian leaving the, or random woman just leaving the club, and she's like, "I just want you to know that you're great." Like you're great. And the girl's like, "All right, whatever." Like a random lady. Like that's their kind of relationship. Um. Brenda is Bette Midler and she's like the ultimate mom. She's like this mom. She's been raising their like teenage son. And she kind of just is like, you know, they they kind of paint her as like frumpy, but she's like, you know, I think she's like average looking, but they like make her wear like very ridiculous, like large clothing and like make her seem like an old tired woman. (laughs) And she like has no like, She's not, like, young and sexy anymore. She's, like, an old mom, so you wouldn't want to look at her anymore. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
0: I think, like, her storyline is more, like, she's given so much to other people that she hasn't, like, maybe treated herself the same, with, like, the same amount of love, which she does mm -hmm. by the end, though.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, she's, like, like, she's, like, Annie's more of, like, a people pleaser, but she's, like, more of, like, That like feels more like task focused like I'm a mother I'm raising my son and like I want to provide for him and provide for you know everything but her husband Morty is like a he's like a salesman (laughs) he's like on a lot of tv ads I don't really know what he sells appliances he
0: he owns stores so he owns like yeah I think they're supposed to be maybe like um
1: beers or something or like
0: they're supposed to be kind of like a, like a Radio Shack, which I don't oh, okay. think exists anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, in 1996, it was doing well, though. <laughs> so he was always on, like, TV commercials selling stuff. And then he basically leaves her for Sarah Jessica Parker, who's this, like, young hot thing, basically. And she's, like, he's he's always like, oh, there's not enough money to, like, pay, your, pay like, my wife's my ex-wife's rent but like he's spending like thousands and thousands of dollars on his like brand new girlfriend um and then there's Elise who's played by Goldie Hawn and she's like an actress but you know she's in her 40s so like there's really no roles for actresses at at all like she was like you're just gonna be play like a reporter or like, (laughs) like you don't have any roles for actresses like At my at this age, Um, so she is like she gets a lot of plastic surgery, and she's a huge like alcoholic. And her husband Bill, like they had produced movies together, and like kind of made like a maybe like a production company together. But he's like the head of it, and he takes all the work, the credit, and he's just I wrote down like a smug asshole. (laughs) He's such a smug asshole, (laughs) and he is like dating. This like very young girl played by um, Jesse from or um, Jesse Spano or <laughs> I don't is that that's not her real name though <laughs> that's her no, save but that's her by the Bell <laughs> Elizabeth Berkley Berkley yeah in her very ill faded acting career <laughs> um, yeah so that's kind of all the main characters do you want to talk about the plot a little bit
0: more? yeah yeah uh, they decide they're gonna seek revenge on all three of these guys. So they all kind of have like plans in place like they need to dig up blackmail. that's the, that's like their main that's their overall like plan is that they're gonna dig up dirt so they can blackmail them for money. Mm-hmm. Um, I know with Brenda, she tries to get information from the girlfriend sarah jessica parker they try to like see what they can get from her and they weasel their way in through maggie smith who is like this old school socialite that has to hang out with her and through that they learn that she wants to like redecorate his apartment and so they use one of Brenda's friends who is supposed to be like known as the worst interior decorator in all of the city <laughs> to come into his apartment to there, to look at it and see like how they would redecorate, um, which is all just a guy. So they can break into his home office and try to see what they can find out in his like files that he doesn't keep on site. Mm-hmm. Uh, they break into his apartment I don't remember if they really find anything I I, like they do. They find cause, cause uh, Brenda
1: was tipped off by her uncle. Who's like vaguely mom ish, like related. Like he, like her uncle Carmen is like, Oh, you know, we were so happy to help you guys when you were newlyweds. Like a lot of like your husband's first stores were furnished by items that like fell off the trucks for like that we like kind of stole. So she like, and she had no idea. She thought he was like an honest businessman so she's like, he must keep them like at th- his office, and she did find like the files, like she shows them to them in the end. But like she finds all this files that he's been like super corrupt about his, where he's getting his like money and where he's, he's getting his inventory, and it gives her the like, ammunition to um, fight against him and like have some dirt on him. Mm-hmm. But. Yes. And then they, I also like how they trick Shelly into like Maggie Smith takes her to like this auction and the terrible designer and they, she pays like a ton of money buying all the stuff that Elise has um, taken from her husband. Cause Elise's husband, when they're at the divorce attorney is like, she has way more money than he has and like way more, you know, equity. So he's like, even though he's divorcing her, he's asking for half the half the assets of profit he's like let's sell our stuff and like I'll get half the money and like you pay me alimony and like you you pay me a settlement and she's like you're the one leaving me like why am I paying you all this money so she goes and like takes back all his stuff like all his fancy paintings and like his fancy furniture even though it's all ridiculous looking (laughs) and um all like his Lamborghini sports car and then sells them at auction for, like, and also sells them at auction to Shelly, who buys them. Well, first,
0: somewhere. they liquidate them for a dollar. So, technically, she yeah. sells them all for a dollar to Annie, and then mm-hmm. Annie puts them up to the auction. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> so right. My girl doesn't get any of the money from yeah, that. auction. Yeah, you're
1: right. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, so, like, yeah, she sells them, and I love the moment where she, like, gives him half of the equity and it's like 20 it's like two quarters like here's 50 cents
0: <laughs> and then she's like you know what you can have it all, <laughs> she it all so,
1: it's so good because it's like that it was like a great way of like like oh we have to sell all our assets and split it but like if you're if the wording wasn't like at the correct cost it's just like well I'm deciding it's a dollar so <laughs> <laughs> because because An- Annie's trying to raise money to buy out the, the partners in her ex-husband's like advertising th- for uh, company. So she want, needs to raise some money. So she uses that money to like buy out his two partners. So now like she owns the majority of the advertising agency. And like when she tells her ex-husband, he's like, come on, like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, like in my mid forties, like what, what agency is going to give a chance to this new guy? Like I'm going to be desolate. And she's like, Yeah, I know exactly how that feels. Like, (laughs) boo-hoo. Because, like, that's how he left her. Like, not caring at all about, like, how she was going to, like, survive or, like, make money or, like, find a new job. Like, he didn't care about any of that stuff. He was like, bye. (laughs) So, it's such good, like, vindictiveness.
0: Yeah. At the same time, Brenda confronts Morty and tells him, like, I could hand you over and you would serve jail time for tax fraud. Mm -hmm. and since he's terrified, and the other two are terrified as well, because Elise tells Bill, it is Bill right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that she, she, um, she found out that the the woman he's sleeping with is sixteen, so he could also go to jail. <laughs> and he's like forty five. It's so gross. Like it's like a thirty year difference. Um, they all make their husbands come together and they like sit the three of them down. The three of them like don't know each other since these friends grew apart. So they're like, what are these random guys doing here? They have no idea what they're doing. Um, they all tell the men you're going to have to pay. Like you literally have to write us checks or else you're all like basically going to jail for the most part. Yeah, like, yeah. Or like you won't have anything. You won't have a career. So they all do. They all just like that's all they can do. And they're really sad about it. There's the montage of them like writing their checks and them all like crying. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: it's so it's so good because like they've she they've all like brought these men that were like such big powerhouses in their career And, like their lives and their career to to their knees. And like I, I also like it as a rom com because all the women kind of are on their own path of self-discovery, but it's not related to like the men at all. Like it's not because they want a man. They're like improving themselves. Like Goldie Hawn is like, her friends are like, listen, like you have a clear problem. Like you need to stop drinking. Like you have to like get it together. Like she's like a complete mess. And so she like sobers. I mean, they don't really show you her struggle, but she sobers up (laughs) and then, like, Annie has been, like, walked on her whole life. Like, she's just, like, ever, she's just so focused on getting everyone what they want that she, like, is walked over constantly. So she really stands up for herself and is, like, no, I'm going to be strict and, and powerful and, like, get what I want and need. And then Miller <laughs> <Bette> Midler blah, <laughs> is, like, her character, Brenda, is, like, hiding herself in all these, like, oversized clothes and like don't look at me and like I'm just care about my son and she kind of strikes out on her own and is like dressing a little more like sexy and like going out there and taking control of stuff and it's really good so much empowerment
0: yeah it's nice that they do have moments where they do kind of like fight because it's no I mean that makes them more realistic and they like fight but they make up and they like focus on the main vision which is to yeah. like like help women like make sure that is above everything else so they do open up a women's center with the money that's what they use the money for in downtown Manhattan I think mm-hmm. they open up a, a huge center and they name it after their friend Cynthia and then they have this huge like opening night um, it's like star-studded and their their ex-husband show up too <laughs> it's just so kind good. Of nice. <laughs>
1: I love it because like they all wear white and like but like a different like Goldie Hawn rocks this like white suit and um you know both other women are in these like white suit skirt dresses and they totally have like the most iconic moment I would dare you to find a female that has not sang this song in their house or apartment and like pretended they were the fourth member of this gang (laughs) this girl gang they like have this moment where they like um you know they're all dressed in their white outfits and they sing their iconic I didn't even look up the name of the song, but it's like mm-hmm. don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to
0: have uh, dee, 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 dee. like that. <laughs> it's 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 Leslie Gore's You Don't Own Me.
1: <laughs> That's, That's another way you could say the song, but
0: yeah. yeah.
1: It's iconic. I feel like I just, I was telling Sarah earlier, like, I always envisioned I would recreate this moment in my life as a woman. Like, at some point in my life, I'd be in this hall with other women, like, singing this song out. So, maybe that is, like, a, a maybe it's a vision for the future. I don't know. <laughs> but I would love to recreate it because it's I feel like I've prepared for it like I know where I'm gonna kick my leg and I'm very
0: excited It's (laughs) definitely it's such a happy ending like the the endings for them personally are like Elise has a new boyfriend who I think is the director of her play Brenda Mm -hmm. gets back together with Morty (laughs) and then Annie's is probably the most satisfying because her husband wants to get back together with her and she tells him to like, fuck off basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's like the, the ideal moment of like the true ending is the three women together, just very happy and together. And like the men aren't there. Just yeah. They don't matter.
1: <laughs> and brought back, like they were all so fractured, like in their lives and their relationship with each other. And like, they kind of like recalled back to their friendship and it's like bittersweet because it took like a friend's death for like them to find each other again. But it did like remobilize them to like go back to their hope that they had when they were younger and, and and realize like what they could accomplish with all of them together. And it's truly joyous to watch. Like, even if you just watched the last, like, Half an hour, you'll be
0: really enjoying it. <laughs> it is uh, truly the best revenge rom com. Yeah, it
1: is. We voted. We've, we've we've tallied the scores. Like we've figured it out. We did all the math and science. So you don't have to. It is the best rom com um, revenge moment. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say it served cold, but I would say it's served with style. <laughs> <laughs> and pizzazz and a song (laughs) and that's how I hope my revenge plays out too yeah
0: we can only hope (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) that you have the style and grace and elegance to like sing your way out of your revenge like
0: Mm -hmm. gotcha
1: don't tell me (laughs) I'm just laughing thinking of myself doing that in real life but Maybe I will. <laughs> anyway, that was our take for this week. Um, yep. we will have to check around next week for our next topic. We don't know what it is yet, so we can't tell you,
0: but it'll be good. We'll decide. And then in the meantime, Jason Siegel. Oh, Jason you, Siegel. You could call be me up. Amy's point. Her target for revenge one day. So, Jason Siegel, <laughs> please call Amy. <laughs>
1: call me, Jason Siegel. Um, we, we could recreate this moment together. I think he would like to rock a white suit and sing this song with me and then maybe fall in love afterwards. Maybe we'll start with a revenge and end up in love. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that rom-com.
0: He would be down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he'd be down for
0: that.